Welcome, everyone. This is our inaugural podcast, uh, Talking Up uh, Eagle Mountain. This is uh, an opportunity for our, our residents to really listen in on, on some interesting conversations. And we hope to uh, cover uh, over the life of these podcasts a, a great variety of topics. Our topic today uh, is one that I find interesting. By the way, this is uh, uh, I totally forgot to in- introduce myself, but this is Mayor Westmoreland, and I'll let uh, let those here in uh, in this podcast introduce themselves. Uh, let's start Let's start with uh, Mr. Mumford. Would you? Sure. Yeah, I'm Steve Mumford. I'm the Community Development Director here at the city. I've been with Eagle Mountain, this fantastic city, for about 12 years now. I'm Shane Hill. I'm a habitat biologist with the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources in, in the central region. And Sean Reed, a local resident. I've been a resident for you know, 10 plus years working on raptor conservation in the area, uh, community engagement, community involvement. So the purpose of this podcast, uh, of course, we uh, as a city, we try to get out as much information as we can, as timely as we can in the newsletters, in the blogs. Uh, in, in our various notifications, but we wanted something a little more personal and a little more on the inside. So uh, to give our residents a better feel of some of the things that we're working on as a city, uh, where these concepts come from, what the goals are, and uh, some of the challenges and tasks uh, that it takes to uh, takes to get there. So the the theme of the discussion matter of this podcast is open land uh, preservation and uh, wildlife habitat and migration uh, uh, corridor preservation. So that's why we've got uh, this collection of, of brain trust here uh, to share their insights on, on uh, how to best go about this, what we hope to accomplish. Uh, this is really an important part of the vision for our city. Uh, of course, uh, most of our residents are familiar with our efforts on economic development, uh, on infrastructure, and uh, of course, there's ongoing uh, residential development. But uh, for the future of our city in long-term planning, it's really important that we have a balanced city. So uh, we want to take every opportunity that we have to uh, preserve open space while we can because right now we have a lot of land but that won't always be the case so we want to uh, take every measure to preserve open space while we can to uh, keep our wildlife here as much as we possibly can and uh, to just have that outdoor recreation opportunity uh, here in eagle mountain so that we have a good healthy balance for our families our economy and uh, and our daily lives so uh, with that, then, uh, Steve, uh, would, you, uh, would you mind giving us a little bit of a history from the city perspective on planning and what we've uh, been able to accomplish as a city in, in open space preservation and other insights you might have? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Mayor. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I've been here for about 12 years, and I'll say that when I first came out here um, from another part of the state, I was struck by the beauty, the unique beauty of this place, right? It's definitely different from a lot of the Wasatch Front. Uh, We have a lot of sagebrush and junipers and just beautiful hills and and a view that's unmatched, both to the east and the 
and the West. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, we're a, we're one of the fastest growing cities in the state, and uh, have been one of the fastest in the country as well. And with that comes a really difficult balance, right, of property rights and letting landowners build what they want and and uh, what's allowed with our plans, but also trying to preserve some of that open space that people move out here to enjoy. That's a good point, Steve, because both of those issues are important from a city perspective. We, we, we do want to preserve property rights. That's just that's just part of who we are. Uh, as, as a people, that's, that's a core belief. But at the same time, uh, we, we want to uh, maintain uh, those resources because once they're gone, they're gone. So it's a, it can be a, a difficult subject, but uh, one of the things that you're very <laughs> aware of, uh, you know, in the last, uh, over the last couple of years, we haven't been afraid to dive into the hard subjects and uh, so we don't avoid them, but we've we've gone right after them. Certainly, yeah, that's definitely the case. I, uh, maybe one of the most recent examples of that is our Ridgeline Protection Ordinance, right? And it was it's controversial among landowners, among developers, but uh, I think with our efforts on that to try to preserve those hilltops and and significant ridgelines, as well as steep slopes. Um, developers and landowners get on board very quickly knowing that that benefits their development as well as um, the residents at large. That's been one thing that's been really exciting for me and really uh, uh, refreshing is uh, so often we've had our landowners and developers uh, really appreciate these efforts and wanting to take part. So uh, they see it as a partnership. They see it as an amenity. Uh, that uh, quality of life here in Eagle Mountain will uh, will help sustain property values. Certainly, yeah, it's it's been refreshing actually to see some property owners step forward and um, and preserve those hillsides. A lot of that area, those ridge lines are are developable. A lot the tops of those ridges, especially if they can get up there, and through our efforts as well as their willingness we're able to preserve those um, for all the residents. So it's not just the ridge lines. I mean, another good example it's, uh, of recreation and open space that we're trying to preserve are um, mountain bike trails and recreational trails up in the hills. And a lot of that area, especially up in um, where those mountain bike trails are, the, the Hidden Valley area, they're well used, they're well loved. I love riding up there. Um, not to mention that while you're riding on those trails, you see some jackrabbits, you see some, some uh, birds and, and antelope. But, um, but I see people, I've met people there from Park City that come out to ride, from Davis County and from all, all areas of the Wasatch Front. And nobody knows, most people don't know that that's all, almost all of that is private property. And so it, it becomes a balancing act of, we know how important it is. Those riders, of course, know how important it is, and anyone who goes up into the hills. And um, we have to work and be creative, either purchasing property or be creative and work with landowners to try to preserve those those trail systems and open space. And we end up, you know, in, a, in this quandary of uh, a city like uh, Draper City, for instance, 
spent millions of dollars to purchase a lot of the Corner Canyon area, which is beautiful and, and um, a big attraction for the valley. And we don't have millions of dollars, at least right now, right? We, uh, we got to be careful with how we spend residents' money, and uh, so we need to get creative. And it's been refreshing to, to work with landowners that are willing to do that. One of the fun things about this, uh, this particular discussion uh, on preserving uh, habitat uh, and open space for wildlife in addition to outdoor recreation is, I think, Steve, you and I originally talked about this probably year, year and a half ago. I, I, I forget. We, but we've got so much going on and uh, you've had a lot on your plate. And so uh, this... This took a bit of a back burner and uh, just, you know, this is fascinating to me because this, this is certainly supports the argument that there are no coincidences. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a few weeks ago, I don't remember exactly when, uh, Steve, you and I talked and, and uh, talked about, you know what, we've got to circle back around. We've got to get serious because uh, developers are coming in wanting to uh, develop their property. And so uh, we couldn't put it off any, any longer. And then, uh, I don't know, it was, it was a week later, a few days later, we got a call from, uh, from Shane Hill. And so this is probably a good time to uh, bring you into the conversation, Shane, uh, with the Wildlife Division of D the Department of Natural Resources. And uh, maybe you can share with uh, our listeners uh, your perspective and, and uh, how, how this came about as, as you see it and, and what you hope to accomplish. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so the state is um, pretty concerned with how uh, wildlife and roads interact with each other. We've been doing things throughout the state. Um, you may have heard of the I-80 overpass. So we've been, we've been working with groups to and UDOT to improve um, or to mitigate the impacts that roads have on wildlife through vehicle collisions. And so we monitor that, and there happened to be a hot spot, we call it, just on, on SR 73, just outside of the, uh, the developed portion of Eagle Mountain, the current developed portion. And so we, I was looking into that, and there's quite a, a bigger, a greater number of animals being hit right there. So we, I looked into it further, and, and thanks to the efforts of this recently formed program that the, the state has started with the Migration Initiative, uh, we have been able to put radio collars on deer in the area. And so I was able to kind of combine those the two data sets that we have of vehicle collisions and the deer movement in the area and to see that there was this pretty distinct corridor right through the middle of Eagle Mountain. And so we thought well, the best way to go about this is to approach the city and see what we can do, see what has been done, we'll see what, and what we can do in the future to preserve so, this corridor. Yeah, so there you've identified really one of the um, a major safety uh, challenge in, uh, uh, you know, as we attempt to preserve wildlife. Uh, there's definitely a, a, a conflict there when, when a wild animal crosses the road and you have fast-moving traffic. That's... Uh, unsafe for the deer, obviously, uh, but even you know, from a city perspective, even more importantly, it's unsafe for our residents and those those true, traveling. So, uh, 
we, we, we need to find ways. If we're going to keep those animals here, we need to find a way to make, uh, make those compatible. So, uh, we're not, so we're not just leaving it to chance, but we're really uh, optimizing the situation as best we can to keep it safe for everyone all the way around. Because if we can't do that, then, um, you know, then we've missed the mark. It, it's just not going to work. It's true. And that's all, we're not only concerned with wildlife, we're, we want to help save people as well, keep people safe and uh, while preserving our valuable deer populations and other wildlife in the area. And so that kind of, I was able to get a hold of Steve and, and others and that would let us to begin planning. And it's, I was pleasantly surprised to see that you guys had already talked about this and that how willing you were to work with us. And so it's been really, really useful. It has been exciting, uh, just even the short time that we've had those uh, meetings and those conversations. And the data that you have provided with your collared animals uh, is has uh, been priceless for us because we, we this way we know exactly where those animals are going. Uh, of course, you don't collar every single animal, but uh, we get a pretty good measure by uh, by the animals you do you, that you are tracking. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, that way, yeah, we can take traffic safety measures. And um, as uh, you and Steve have already uh, moved forward with creating migration maps, that give us a good idea of uh, what idea, what areas, what land that we need to look at and seriously consider, uh, you know, preservation uh, measures. Yeah. And again, we've been pleasantly surprised to see that some of the landowners have been willing and to work with us and start making plans to preserve a corridor through their, their land. And it's, it's been nice. Mayor, if I jump in here, sure. uh, it was it was really quite interesting that, like you said, as we were starting that process and trying to figure out, okay, where do we start with this? How do we figure out deer, antelope, all these different animals that are going through the city and and uh, what to preserve? And then Shane comes in and shows us a map right away with these collared, you know, deer showing the exact route that they follow, right? Pretty much the exact route. They I know they get data every every so often, but. It was like a light bulb, like, this is exactly what we needed. Right, that's something we could never have done. Right. Yeah, and I'd like to say that, like, this, the, the deer data that we have, it's, we're not just focused on deer here. We're trying to do, because we have the data for the deer, we're able to have a place to consider to put this corridor that will benefit all wildlife. And, and if we're able to do this, then we'll be able to plant projects within the corridor to improve habitat for for jackrabbits, which would then improve habitat for birds of prey. So this is, we're, look, we're looking at the whole ecosystem here, trying to help it out. Great, well, uh, Shane, you've given us a great uh, segue to uh, bring Sean Reed into the discussion. He is our resident uh, raptor expert, uh, and, and we're, we're so happy to have him, you know, here, in, of course, in this podcast, but even more so, uh, you know, here in the city, uh, uh, because uh, we, we've well, we've been really excited with the success of the Kestrel program, and that's really set the stage and built confidence that we uh, can move on uh, to building this up and and um, 
continue as a serious project. So, uh, Sean, um, yeah, uh, can you share with us some of uh, your insights about uh, land preservation and a little bit about the, uh, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Kessler Project and what you've experienced there. Sure. So in uh, 2015, the Kessler Project was started um, with uh, then Mayor Chris Pangra. Um, it really got off the ground when we partnered with Rocky Mountain Power and uh, another resident, Brian Smith. Uh, we installed donated telephone poles and put Kessler nests on them. Uh, we have uh, more than 20, and we're seeing about a 75% usage rate of these boxes. So birds are coming in, they're using them, we're getting um, a nice uh, feedback from the residents. Got a, a good group of resident volunteers. They're coming out. They're checking nests every week. Uh, they're um, donating a lot of time and effort in monitoring these boxes. In addition, we're doing a, a little community outreach. We invite residents out to see these projects. Uh, sometimes even being able to handle the birds, which is a, a unique opportunity for a kid to be able to hold a, a falcon. You know, something I never got a chance to do as a kid to uh, really learn and uh, hopefully inspire the next generation of young biologists. Yeah, that's uh, that's been a fun project to uh, uh, to watch to see how it's how it's rolled out to see the challenges that um, that you've met and uh, to enjoy your successes too and and I, I've had the honor of of being involved with some of that and and uh, you're a great photographer so we got some cool pictures. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, owl release. Uh, that was uh, that was that was exciting, and and uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's just rewarding. It's hard to describe. It certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> and as was mentioned, we have a lot of overlap between um, these wildlife corridors and raptor conservation. Uh, these lands are, are used by the same animals. Uh, if we can. Uh, maintain some of these sagebrush habitats and jackrabbits, uh, voles will definitely uh, help with raptor conservation in the area. Yeah, and as Shane mentioned, yeah, that in order to make these work, the, and, and Sean, that you're you know very much aware of, uh, the habitat is more uh, goes well beyond pres simply preserving one set of animals. Absolutely, uh, because they need food resources. Uh, and those food sources need their own food sources and so on. And uh, so uh, that's one of the things that we are hoping to do with this collaboration. I know uh, the uh, Wildlife Division has insight on, uh, you know, what, you know, deer eat, for example, and where to plant and not to plant. And we uh, hope to incorporate that into this plan. There might be areas where, we want the deer to keep moving, particularly around traffic areas, but then uh, there are areas when we uh, hope to um, uh, in enable them, if you will, accommodate them to slow down, to uh, uh, feed off of the vegetation, and uh, yeah, and, and be, a, be a welcome part of our community, I guess, so, right? So... <laughs> Uh, because, you know, the, the wild animals are inspiring, uh, and uh, particularly for our youth. Um, our, our youth, uh, I, I think it's an important part of growing up. You know, Sean, you mentioned that, that you didn't always have those opportunities yeah. to be involved with the wildlife. And, and what have you seen? Maybe, I, I don't know, share with us a little bit more your experience working with the youth on this. What's, what's been their reaction? 
So far, it's been fantastic. Um, all of our boxes have been built by Eagle Scouts. Uh, getting the scouting program involved has been just incredible for us. Uh, we've expanded out uh, with our partnership with the Eagle Mountain Library, which they have been fantastic, helping us coordinate the um, Bird of Prey presentations from Hawkwatch International, uh, getting kids out and just seeing the, a kid light up when you, you hand them a baby falcon, you know, getting their, their photo taken. I, I get stories all the time, just you know, out shopping or whatever. People recognize and tell me that was such a good day that when they they got to participate. Yeah, that's exciting. When you see the kids light up, you see them uh, gain a respect for nature, and uh, as they uh, become more aware and understanding, uh, able to take an ownership in, yes. in in that preservation. And so, uh, it's a, you know, it's a good experience for our youth. We're one of the youngest uh, cities in the country, so we're raising a lot of kids here, and, and uh, we want them to stay close to nature and not have to go somewhere else far away or to a zoo simply to see, uh, see uh, a, an animal, particularly an animal in the wild. Uh, of course, one of the, um, you know, if, 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 if you want to go different directions, let me know, but... So uh, in a very important part of this, uh, as we're all painfully aware, is funding, right? So as a city, we don't have the finances. We don't have the budget to pay for all of this. And that's uh, one of the, usually one of the first things that will kill a project uh, is, is lack of funding. And uh, now, uh, Shane, um, uh, you've mentioned to us that uh, because of this uh, new program rollout uh, through uh, the Department of Natural Resources, that, uh, that, there, that there is some grant funding available. Yeah, so the Utah Wildlife Migration Initiative does have opportunities to get federal funding and work with the BLM and other agencies in order to to make put in proposals for for funding and so that is an option for us to go try to get these projects funded to get fencing to get possible overpasses underpasses and what big game fencing on the roads um i think we will be pretty uh, dependent on the the landowners as well like being willing to help us get what they can and not and not sacrifice too much um, we could possibly also get creative and, and start asking corporate uh, industry, uh, companies to, to, you know, to help out if they can. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to be trying to go for funding from many different sources, including uh, government sources and, and public sources. And I imagine it will take all of them yeah, to make this gonna work. it's going to be a, big, a collaboration mm -hmm. for this to happen. And I think in the end, it will be, it's not just going to benefit wildlife. This is going to be something that will uh, uh, allow Eagle Mountain to be a model for other cities if, this, if we can go, th go through with this. And it will, we'll be able to see if doing this will actually mitigate preemptively the negative impacts that, you know, when, when, when developments but up against wildlife, wildland interface, wildlife interface, there's there's conflicts. When deer in your garden, there's the the roadkill issue. So, 
this will be a, a big test case and a model for other cities to allow us to work with others and see if we can apply it other other places. So we're really happy about this collaboration with everybody. Well, and, and Shane, I, I think with the, the uh, group of partners we have, I think we're uh, ready to take on that challenge. And uh, if we can provide leadership on how to do this uh, and make it, certainly make it a test case, but, but even beyond that, we hope to make it a model case for others to follow, uh, then, uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, help other cities uh, uh, accomplish some of the some of the same goals. So uh, we're we're getting close on time. So uh, let's go into uh, closing statements. Uh, Steve, do you, uh, anything you want to offer just in as as we begin to wrap this up? I, I think I just want to make sure everyone knows that it's Eagle Mountain. One of our key initiatives as a city is to preserve open space, recreational opportunities, as well as wildlife habitat and. So that's what makes this so exciting is this partnership. We're able to pursue uh, one of those one of those initiatives and, and programs that we already had um, planned and just didn't know where exactly to start. So um, we're excited. We're, we're going to be uh, working hard, meeting with landowners, meeting with real estate developers, um, of course, meeting with Shane and his uh, group and, and our partnership and trying to be creative. And our creativity may, I mean, it, in order to get these corridors, um, you know, we'll have to we'll have to work with landowners and it and uh, where we can't buy property and where they're not willing to donate, then then we'll have to work with uh, you know, some creative solutions like um, clustering some homes or uh, giving up a little bit of improved park space for some wildlife habitat and, you know, unimproved space that's improved for the wildlife, right? But it's definitely exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Great. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, Shane, do you, uh, you're with Wildlife uh, Division. Is there anything you want to add? To... Uh, I'll just reiterate how, how nice it's been to see that Eagle Mountain, the, the officials here in Eagle Mountain, to be so willing to work with us and helpful and it's it's been really refreshing um you might as you probably can tell like working with wildlife and landowners can be kind of contentious at times and this has been a really refreshing experience so yeah we're really excited to see how we can come up with this and how we can apply it to the rest of the state if we can well this has been really timely for us and we're grateful uh, to have you here as a partner and, and be able to tap into your resources and, and your experience working with wildlife. That's going to be a meaningful relationship and we, we really uh, appreciate that. So thank you, Shane. Thank you. Sean, Mr. Reed, uh, what would you like to add? So for the uh, Eagle Mountain Kestrel Project to remain successful, um, we need to make sure that it is a community-driven effort. Uh, not only our decisions we're making today are important, but we really need to be looking 10, 20 years in the future. Uh, I, in my opinion, in order for that to work, we need to have community engagement, and we're doing fantastic, uh, right down to our new high school mascot, which is just Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, just in case uh, our listeners may not be aware, what is that mascot? That mascot is an American kestrel. <laughs> um, at, 
I always like to uh, joke that if the Golden Eagle had the attitude of a kestrel, humans would be in trouble. <laughs> they're, they're just ferocious little birds. All right. So, well, uh, Sean, we really appreciate you being here, and we look forward to you being involved in this all along the way and providing, uh, providing input and also building upon the relationships that you've already made uh, because we uh, will need to reach out to our residents to get their support to make uh, to make these programs work. Yes. Uh, so and, can I jump in? Oh, yeah, if, please do. If uh, residents want to be involved with Eagle Mountain Castro Project, uh, look us up on Facebook or Instagram. You can, you can find us there and see what the latest happenings are. Keep up with progress. Great. Yeah, it's really uh, it, it, it's it's really residential involvement or volunteers that really, really make things work. And, and besides that, it's just a great experience. So uh, for a residents at any age, really. So uh, um, and we will be OK, we will be reaching out uh, to let our residents know what uh, how, how they can help. Uh, we'll be, you know, reaching out to our mountain bike groups, to our equestrian residents, uh, who all will have a, a stake in this. Uh, so uh, we will have a follow-up podcast with uh, with Sean Reed uh, talking more about the Raptors, and we'll be sure to keep our residents uh, updated as we move forward with this exciting project. So thank you for listening, and. Uh, uh, stay in touch. So this again, this is uh, talking up Eagle Mountain. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for being here.